0: And welcome back to Tachikawa. Uh, this week, Daniel Bellamy, you are outnumbered. There's two Matthews to only one Daniel.
1: Two Americans to only one Brit.
0: Two Matts, one Dan. How does this make you feel?
1: Uh, yeah, I feel alright. I feel like you guys are my friends. Is that my mm. you, you don't feel threatened, threatened
0: or in danger or anything else like that?
1: <laughs> Should I?
0: <laughs> I'm just asking. These are just questions. They're just simple <laughs> questions. <laughs> <laughs> welcome back to the show, Matt, how are you doing today? I am fantastic, thank you for having me again. Have you been having a good week this week?
2: Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Uh, rain bummed me out a little bit, but I'm glad it's gone, and seemingly the wind is going to be coming and bringing a nice weather.
0: I wouldn't know anything about that, because I've been basking in glorious sunshine for the past three days. I went to Ishikawa on Sunday.
1: When you say basking, you mean burning.
0: Yes, basking, crisping, yeah. um, <laughs> generally turning lobster red. Mm. Um it was very nice over there. Have either of you ever been to Kanazawa, to Ishikawa?
2: I've not. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Not to Kanazawa. I've, I've been, the only time I've ever been to Izu is to, that's uh, in Izu-ish area, right? Nope. Nope.
0: Psych? Other side of the country. That's
2: right. Nope, not been there. <laughs>
0: Japan seaside. Have you ever been to the Japan seaside of, uh,
2: yes. of Japan? Yes. Yeah. Um, wife and I went traveling and actually went out to Okishoto. And uh, Totori, sand dunes, and things like that. I haven't been out to the uh, Noto Peninsula just yet, right? Uh, but I uh, would love to.
1: That's where you went. That's right? where I have been. Yeah, and I stopped in Kanazawa on at some point on the trip around Noto Hanto. Pretty good.
0: It looked really nice from yeah. the photos that I saw, yeah. and uh, Kanazawa was really nice as well. I, yeah. I heartily recommend it. I'd tell some amusing anecdotes about my trip there, but I just had a very uh, a highly delightful time. Uh, met up with friends of the pod Casey and Joe Mm. separately they record the pod separately as well you know remotely so I'm not sure if they've ever actually met each other they might Uh, be the same person person. Mm, having seen both of them physically I (laughs) I find that (laughs) unlikely special effects these days are really good though that's true that's true there could be holograms involved Mm. Uh, but no they were very hospitable Ishikawa's lovely there's a nice garden there's a nice castle I drank some nice beer that I had brought with me from Tokyo. Mm. So all in, all in all, it was a really yeah. nice trip.
1: Did you drink any beer? I mean, you drank cans with them, but did you have any local beer while you were there?
0: I went to one place called Oriental Brewing. Okay. And had uh, a cherry madam or something like that. It was a cherry fruit ale. Interesting. I was expecting it to be a sour. Mm. It wasn't. Mm. It was all right. That's about all I have to say about <laughs> Oriental Brig. It was fine. Yeah, It hadn't gone bad or anything else like that. Mm. Um, the food there is very nice as well. They have lots of nice uh, seafood yep. from the ocean there. Eee. Lots of nice fresh vegetables. We walked around um, the big market that was close to our hotel. Mm. They do a really good line in massive cucumbers okay. in Ishikawa. Right. So if you're in the market for just a gig of cuke, Yeah, always. <laughs> then uh, that that's where you need to go. Hmm. The, the only drawback is that they've sort of extended the Shinkansen line from Tokyo all the way to Kanazawa now. So you can get the train there pretty That's easily, two and a half hours. But for the last hour or so, it's basically all tunnels. So I was expecting lovely views of the ocean and of the spectacular mountains that they have there. Uh, and we got those hmm. for microseconds at a time mm-hmm. as we whipped between tunnels. But other than that, it was... Staring out into the inky blackness.
1: It's good if you're a tunnel enthusiast. Yes. If tunneling. you like tunneling.
0: If you like tunnels, if you like massive cucumbers, mm. uh, if you like generally having a nice time by the sea. But, recommend but, you but not of... hilarious Courses, anecdotes.
1: You if, you, if you dislike hilarious anecdotes. There are no
0: hilarious anecdotes to be had, mm. unfortunately. Sounds great. This week... We're welcoming uh, back, Matt, um, because you've had an exciting time this week, haven't you? You, You've come in here with your new Red Stallion. Indeed. You want to tell us about that?
2: I'm super stoked about it. I can gladly tell you about that. I think the the equation for bikes is always N plus one. Yeah. Always room for one more. And uh, my wife actually had the uh, desire to get these bikes more than I did uh, at first. Um, But yeah, we went and got uh, two Bromptons. Uh, matching Brompton's. Hers is green to my red. Yeah, just thought about that. A little important starboard action. But anyways, um, yeah, went downtown to the Brompton store with the Yen rate being in our favor at the moment and uh, got us a little Brompton folding bike action.
1: For those who don't know, Brompton's are uh, one of the kind of premier folding bikes mm-hmm. in the
0: world. <laughs> Would you say it's the Rolls Royce of folding bikes?
1: No, but... Like, they're pretty good. Would, would <laughs> other
0: more reasonable podcast hosts, co-hosts, say that it's the Rolls-Royce?
1: Less of... <laughs> educated, sure. Turn makes some titanium beeswax. Like, there's there's some pretty These wild ones. These uh, ones, they're from Britain, though. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, oh, they're amazing, <laughs> amazing bits of engineering. Uh, they fold up really nicely, right? That's, that's the yeah. big thing for, for Bromptons. They ride nicely, but they fold up super conveniently, right?
2: Very conveniently and very quickly as well. Yeah. Mm. Um, and on top of that, everything locks in together, so there's no way that it can come apart when it is folded up. Yeah. And you can just chuck it into a Rinko bag, jump on the train. And the way that I had my first uh, sort of uh, introduction to them was, I've uh, known about them because I'm, you know, being a cyclist and, and knowing of bike brands around the world and knowing of Brompton, uh, uh, you know, hearing things about them, but hadn't had a hands-on until my neighbor actually uh, fell in love with them and got one. And then subsequently bought two others for the rest of his family. Um, but he invited me out on a ride and uh, couldn't couldn't make it happen that day, but he did let me borrow his bikes. And so my wife and I test rode him and absolutely fell in love with him. And he actually really enjoys riding his bike from where we live here in uh, Tachikawa, you know, to different breweries downtown. And then, you know, just folding it up, put it in the back, jumping on the train, coming on home. Mm.
0: Yeah, you are, you are pretty tall. Right? Yes. How tall are you?
2: Uh, I'll do a feet and inches because that comes to mind easily. Uh, yes. s- cubits, please. The cubits. How many
0: yeah. spans? Uh,
2: fourteen stone. No, I'm uh <laughs> <laughs> Um, six foot three, one hundred and ninety-two centimeters, one hundred ninety-three centimeters. I think so, yeah. It's yeah. about that,
0: yeah. yeah. Does does being that tall present any difficulties for getting like a bicycle that can fold up this small?
2: I definitely had to get an extended seat post. Right. Uh, the seat post. Needed to be much longer. Uh, They do have options for telescoping seat posts versus standard sizing. Um, They did have one. Thankfully, that was a a better option for me. That was just the steel, solid, longer uh, seat tube. Mm. So, yeah. But that being said, it is comfortable with that seat tube on it.
0: I think I've seen about Brompton bikes that there's actually, like, there's a whole culture around them, right? There there is a, a Brompton club that meets near us there is uh at the weekends i think and do people people like race them and stuff
2: they do the brompton actually has a thing called the brompton world challenge where i have not looked deeply into it just yet as i have only been in ownership of this brompton for about a week now i think Mm. Um, but uh, the brompton world challenge is the only requirements are you have to have a brompton and you have to wear some sort of blazer like a suit coat can be of any crazy fabric you want, but you have to have a blazer, suit, coat, and uh, and your Brompton. And obviously, the, the, the required accoutrement of your helmet and such. Right. But uh, but yeah, um, they do it Le Mans style. They start off with bikes on one side of the road folded up. You're on the other. They ring a bell. You run across, unfold it, jump on it as soon as it's unfolded, and race around.
1: How much violence is allowed?
2: That's a valid question. I, w- I hope it's roller derby style. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really hoping I can wear some, like, pads underneath my blazer.
1: Can you gang up? Like, can you form alliances?
2: Mm, like toss somebody one end of a chain, you've got the other end of a chain, and Mad Max somebody? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm asking about. I mean, we're fine. You and I are going to find out. Okay. <laughs>
0: I was wondering why you were wearing this neon green brushed velvet blazer today, and now we have our answer. It's so, true. Because you're you planning to compete in this race.
2: I had to, I had to break it out. I had, to, I had to make sure the fit was right.
0: Right. <laughs> make sure you could get the armor on underneath it. Exactly. Mm. Precisely. Well, thank you very much for joining us again in Tachikawa um, to, to discuss and celebrate beer. Yes, sir. I assume that you have listened to this podcast now that you've, you've appeared <laughs> yeah, I have.
2: I have listened and been, yes. <laughs>
0: so can you tell us then, what is it we do on this podcast?
2: We taste and describe beers that we like that are on tap, but this is not a beer rating show. Right. Mm. Because the beers that we have on tap, we already enjoy and like because... That's why they're on tap. There you go. That was so eloquent and smooth. Smooth. Just. That was extremely good. That was, that was better than either of us. <laughs> <or around laughs> in 55 episodes we now. just hand the podcast yeah. over to Matt? Anyway, it's been real. It's been great. It's been <laughs> well great.
0: Head over to your new host. <laughs> what is the beer that we're going to be tasting and describing and not rating this week? Uh, today today we're
1: going to drink Take Te Caliste. Uh, which is our newest beer. We've actually had it on tap for a while. And honestly, I thought we had done it on the podcast because that when we have a new beer, that's what we do. Mm. So I was uh I guess we just moved past it. Like you said, I was I was out of here one Wednesday. You did the podcast by yourself with listener questions that might have been when Take a Least Day went on. And mm. so we just kinda like kept on slid going. on past it. Yeah. And yeah. I, I was operating under the assumption that we had done it.
0: I, I don't think we have, looking back at the previous episode titles, but uh, if we have, then I'm sure we'll be receiving lots of phone calls and angry letters mm. from all of our, our listeners.
1: For those who don't know, Take Least Day is a Berliner Weiss made with uh, apricot puree. Uh, it's a little bit sour, but it's quite light. It's 4.2%. Uh, and it's got a, you know, it's a pretty light malt body, so it's a real clean finish. It's a good, crisp, summery beer.
0: Mm. I think summery is the word. If I, when I'm picturing myself in a shady but warm beer garden somewhere in Germany, mm. raising a glass to my lips, then it's probably going to be a Berliner Weiss yep. in that glass. Mm. I'm listening to the umpa Band in the distance.
2: I noticed you put the hard tea in that garden.
0: Yep, I always put the hard tea. <laughs> Tea in the garden. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm nibbling on a pretzel. What other German things could I be doing here? Wearing Don't lederhosen. hose out of my head. <laughs> uh, that's more of a southern German thing, though, isn't it? Is it? But hey, maybe I could be doing it. Why yeah. not? Do we're, what you want. We're amalgamating all of the German yeah. things in one space.
2: Did you drive your Porsche up into it?
0: My Porsche?
2: Porsche. Oh, sorry. <laughs> my BMW, yes. I oh. drove up there in my BMW. <laughs> um,
0: well, anyway, that's enough uh, Teutonic joshing. Why don't we dive into the beer? All right, we're back. Welcome uh, to three nice cool glasses of Tecalyste. Why do we start with the name? What does Tecalyste mean? It means for the most beautiful. Mm. Why do we choose that name for for this apricot better
1: advice it was uh the inscription on the golden apple mm. which uh was it Zeus I don't know Zeus or somebody was at some some other god's wedding and he uh chucked this golden apple into a crowd of goddesses mm. and on it is said for the most beautiful so you can imagine what happened they all felt <laughs> like well that must be for me thank you very much for this lovely gift and uh Kicked off a big kerfuffle, uh, and eventually led to the war for Tro- War of Troy,
0: the Trojan War. The Trojan War, yeah, that's right. Uh, I think it was strife who threw
1: the the golden
0: apple right. into the clutch of hot, uh, of goddesses. It's all a bit Geordie Shore, isn't it? Or I don't know, Attic Shore, mm. Attican Shore yeah. here. Um, but what has a golden apple got to do with a Berliner Weiss? What's the connection
1: there? It's got apricot in it, which is also kind of a golden fruit. Mm. We had a few. We we workshopped this name a little bit. And, uh, you know, on one end, we had some kind of mundane things like apricot breeze. And uh, and we had several joke names that were not serious. Mm. And take at least a, you know, like the sound of it. It's a golden apple, but hey, whatever. Who cares? But it sounds nice. And uh, it's a little esoteric. Uh, I, I have found that all of our, all, most of our other names for our beers, it's been pretty easy when people come up and say like, hey, what does this name mean? I go, oh, well, you know, this bar is in Shibasaki Cho, so that's why it's Shibasaki Session. Right. But this one, people came up and said, what does Take mean? And I was like, hey, it doesn't, it's fine. It just well, sounds nice. <laughs> it's in ancient Greek. I got, I've already had enough. I don't,
0: I don't. I don't actually care. How would you describe uh, this beer, Matt?
2: Um, It's got a crispness to it um, that I appreciate for, a like you guys said, a summer beer. Uh, For a hot weather beer, something that's going to sate that thirst. It definitely uh, is is doing the job, doing it very well. It's got uh, a brightness to it um, with a subtle... When I say crispness, uh, I mean like a little sort of crispness, but almost like a, a tartness to it that uh, uh, akin to almost like a lemonade tartness. Mm. Um, that is a, very, very nice. Very, very light.
0: Yeah, I think uh, maybe refreshing mm-hmm. is the word, isn't it? Um, I'm sometimes looking for beers to fulfill functions. Like, is this something I'm going to slowly sip while watching a movie or is this something that would go along? While I'm eating my nacho hat.
1: Does this suit my crunk chalice?
0: Does this suit my crunk chalice? Is a question I ask myself almost every day mm. as I'm getting dressed. Every morning. Um, but this one I think is, okay, it's a hot day. I've been sweating or I'm thirsty. Mm. This is something that I would like to drink in that yeah. situation. What about you, Mr. Crunk Chalice? The,
1: uh, I, I like that you get, the malt body is fairly light with this and you, you get it like the initial delivery you get that kind of malty backbone but then I find the malt kind of cuts off like someone turned out the lights and you're left with the like the tart sweetness from from the apricot I really like how that's what lingers you know Mm -hmm. like the malt kind of just shuts off and then you're left with that that aftertaste and that kind of lingers up in, in your nose a bit as well, the aromas of it. I, I, I enjoy the sensation of drinking this beer. Mm. It's quite nice. That's a very I think, sensuous.
2: Mm. I think I'm going to enjoy it a little bit more in my beer helmet.
1: Yeah. yeah. Just through a couple straws.
2: Just put it on. Yeah. Watch some Happy Gilmore. Okay.
0: Dan has a beer helmet, but he refers to it as his crunk chalice. <laughs> <laughs> it was a... Uh, one of the interesting things about making this beer is that it is a sour, but... Um, we used a kind of special yeast that soured the beer for us. So we didn't uh, kettle sour or add any Lactobactylus or any acid to, to this beer. It was the yeast that did the whole job. And um, the way this yeast works is that like in the first 72 hours of fermentation, it's not producing alcohol. It's eating all the glucose and producing lactic acid. Uh, and so if you have a beer that has a lot of and a very available sugar early on, then you're gonna get a really, really sour finish with this beer. So you have to, um, the, the mash temperature, the temperature at which you mix the grains on the hot water should be a little bit on the high side. And that way you're gonna get more kind of long chain sugars in there and less glucose. Um, and you also have to be careful about when you add the fruit. So if you put in the fruit puree or the just the fruit, right when you put the beer into the fermentation tank, that yeast is going to have access to all of that fruit sugar as well. And you know end up with a, a much sourer beer no. than this one. So this is definitely a sour beer, but it's not a slap in the face no. kind of sour. So the timing of adding the fruit in was yeah. important as well. Quite an interesting
1: yeast. Mm-hmm. Uh, one yeah. I hope to
0: use more in the future,
1: I think. I think with all the variables at play and the fact that you hadn't made a beer like this before, uh, I, I quite like the way that this turned out. And I think it's... It's pretty neat that with all of the stuff that could have gone wrong or all the things that had to be calculated for and taken into into account that this turned out kind of nicely balanced, good fruit character, nice level of sourness, uh, customers have been really happy with it, right? It's been been moving quite mm. quickly.
0: We only have two kegs left. All right, I Big kegs. Two 30-liter kegs. Two. Uh, But yeah, we've moved through this beer. So it is both new and also slightly in wazka So if you do want to try it, get your skates on. Um, We always like to pair the beer with something, as you know, as a previous guest on the show. (coughs) So I'm going to roll the wheel of pairings here. And then we're going to pair the beer with one of eight things. Um, Today's pairing is number three, music. Mm. All right. Who wants to go first? What are you sitting down on your beanbag with the cans on, listening to as you are sipping a nice glass of take a lease day?
2: Can I have my cans on and my beer helmet on at the same time though? Uh
0: I don't know how big your mm.
2: Very small.
1: <laughs> I feel like there's a there's a real kind of market for a combined uh headphones slash beer helmet.
2: It's an untapped market.
0: Could you uh, also have those sunglasses that take photographs and automatically upgrade, upload them to Instagram?
2: I don't see why not. Yeah, while well, we're at it, it's the pages. full package. Yeah, <laughs>
0: and it automatically tags the beer on Untapped. Yeah, while you're drinking it as well.
2: I, I think you're getting a call from Google right
0: now. Um, hang on. We should stop <laughs> recording. Somebody write this down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to email this to myself. This was my idea. Nobody can steal this.
1: Okay, we're going to see literally see this exact product on Wish.com tomorrow. Oh, oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we have manifested it. What uh, what are you listening to? Uh,
1: I there's a there's a trumpet player named uh, Maynard Ferguson, um, and uh, he he's a jazz trumpeter. But he's I don't know how you would describe it like power jazz. Like he plays almost big band, but like real blasting, ripping high notes, stuff like that. Uh, I used to listen to him quite a lot when I was younger and a trumpet player and playing jazz and stuff like that. I enjoyed him because. There's, I mean, there's, he's an amazing trumpeter, but there's nothing subtle about what he plays. really like powerful kind of blasty stuff. Uh, So I, I don't know this, this beer isn't that, but I think it would be a nice compliment to that. He did a recording with another, a, a Cuban trumpeter called Arturo Sandoval. And I can't remember the name of the recording. They were on the same record label and it was a bunch of jazz musicians on this record label. And so the record label got all of them together to do like a tour. And it was, uh, um, and there were a number of really amazing trumpeters on this uh, in this kind of big band that we playing together and in the in the shows they would all try and like they all had solos kind of alternating sometimes in one song all of the trumpet players would have their own solo and they would sometimes go back and forth like if they were if they were riffing you know these are all incredible incredible jazz musicians so it's like Oh, we just want to like drag this song out a bit longer then let's do that or like you want a solo again sure fine everybody can kind of do this stuff off the cuff. So there were times when all of these like world class trumpeters would just take turns trying to outblast each other in their it solos is. and they're just screaming these unbelievable high notes. Uh, this beer is kind of like high and floaty and a little bit, I don't know, up there for me, tonally. Hmm. Uh, So it reminds me of that a little bit. I cannot remember what that recording is called, what that band was. It was something, something, whatever the record label, All Stars. Uh, But it reminds me of that, takes me back to that time in my life. So it's
0: like drinking a glass of power jazz. How about you, Matt?
2: So... Something you just said kind of ticked off something in my brain. Mm-hmm. Know, I already had this idea in my head of what I'm listening to, but the words you said, high and floaty, it's a really good uh, fitting uh, term for what I was thinking for a song. Like, uh, do you realize by the Flaming Lips? Mm-hmm. That that It is by the Flaming Lips, I'm pretty sure. I think so. Uh, yes. Yes. Is, yeah. Okay. So that's what I'm listening to. Like, I'm, I'm feeling... From the album Yoshimi versus the Pink Robots. There it is. Yes, exactly. Yep. So... I think I'm listening to the Flaming Lips.
0: Okay. And drinking this. Have you ever seen the Flaming Lips in concert?
2: So that's I've not in person seen them in concert, but I've seen videos of things like that. It is intense. And so, like, like the uh, I'm, for some reason I'm just thinking if I remember correctly, watching the music video for the Do You Realize? And they're all in like white white out like choir outfits. If I remember, I I, I, feel, I feel like a very remembering a very, like, surreal, like, they're in, like, this, like, white church choir, white background. Everything's very, almost, like, sterile. Um, But in a way that is, like, ethereal. There's the word. Mm. Ethereal. Mm. And so that, for some reason, like, thinking of clouds and and things like that, that's what I'm thinking of with the spear. Mm.
0: It's like sitting on a cloud drinking a glass of power jazz in here. Yep. Yes. Let's see Good. if we can bring exactly. this metaphor on home. Uh, I'm going to go for something disappointingly literal, mm. but also imaginary, because I don't think this musician has ever actually performed this song. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know that when the Berlin Wall fell, do you know if they invited to sing on top of it? Hasselhoff. David Hasselhoff. No. Yes. That's glorious. Very big in Germany. Not, no. not a joke. He really is he's, big in Germany. A, he
1: had a song out at the time. As I understand it, he had an album out and there was a song on it called Give Me Freedom or something mm. like that. It had nothing to do with the Berlin Wall, but it became the anthem of the the wall coming ah. down for, for kids in Germany at that time.
2: I've always wondered why they loved David Hasselhoff.
0: I mean, he's great. He's great. Don not hassle the Hoff. <laughs> Um So I would like to see him atop the Berlin Wall um, um. singing the song Free Falling by Tom Petty wow. and the Heartbreakers. Wow. Okay. I think he has the range for that. And I think it would be the perfect accompaniment.
2: I would love to see this, actually. <laughs>
0: we've, we've stepped into a whole new realm of music here. This is something that has never actually happened. But wow. I would like to see it happen.
1: I like, last week, if you recall, I made one minor change to a movie. And you were like, oh, I guess we're just making shit up now. <laughs> yeah, so I was inspired. I was inspired by that. <laughs> I don't think that's
0: exactly how I phrased it. But that is what I was thinking. So yeah, that, that's what I was thinking. <laughs>
1: Uh, Matt and I, not you, but you. Yes. Yep. That's clear for everybody, right? Yeah. They're all seeing us. Uh, Matt and I uh, sometimes, when Matt is here in the tap room, Matt and I have gone on a bike ride, and yes. we go. We we've been up around Okutama, that kind of area. And the nice thing about going out west in Tokyo is that we come back. We can end here at the tap room, uh, and we can have a beer or two before. Yes, sir. Going back to the station, packing up the bikes, taking the train home um, because my legs are shot and I've had a few beers. So I'm not going <laughs> to ride. Um, and I, I think take at least a. We often drink Oni Cohen, which is almost out. Uh, Oni Cohen is another kind of light refreshing summery beer it's but a good nom- post-ride beer yes uh, i think the take is also quite similar it's a good post-ride beer yeah. it's not too heavy it's light it's, it's all the things we just said mm. right? thirst
2: quenching you've gone sure. out
1: on a long bike ride in the sun and the heat yeah. it's kind of a nice beer to to cool down after that we get a lot of cyclists in here um i don't know that there's a specific cyclist beer for them but we do have a lot of cyclists coming in here and i know that like in America as well, there's there's a real the Venn diagram of cyclists and craft beer enthusiasts is is pretty heavily overlapped. Mm. Uh, that seems to be the case a lot of places. I found that a lot when I was cycling in South America as well, Central America. Going to craft beer bars, there's a lot of cyclists around there as well. What is it that makes cycling and beer go so well together?
0: It's a good question. Uh, it might just be as simple as Cycling is really cool, and drinking craft beer is really cool, too. So the kind of cool dudes who enjoy cycling also enjoy drinking craft beer. Is that too reductive? No, that's great. I'm paying myself (laughs) on the back really high. (laughs) This Shut it down. We're out. (laughs) Also, I think, um, I I don't know if it is the case with serious cyclists. Uh, I'm not sure if, um, you know, Geraint Thomas or, you know, Grand Tour winners... Are stopping halfway along, Paris-Roubaix <laughs> to to smash a few uh, Imperial porters, uh, although maybe they should out. be. Yeah, maybe they should be. I'm um,
1: definitely used to maybe not beer, but like, isn't the, the the bottle cage is the exact size for a bottle of wine?
0: There you go. That's uh, that's, that's
1: news to me. I like it.
0: It's got what plants crave, um, but. Maybe it's just, it's a hobby kind of thing. And if you enjoy being outdoors, enjoying the outdoors and getting thirsty, then you want to stop somewhere to to sort of mm. recharge yourself. Yeah. And so there's there's almost a natural overlap, right? I don't think that after a long hot day in the saddle, I would want to drink a bottle of wine. Mm. I want something that's thirst quenching. Right. And beer seems to check that box for me. Yeah. could it be that simple? I don't know. What do you think?
2: I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm coming, you know, I'm from Seattle and... You know, I don't like this word, but, you know, a lot of times the label of hipster is thrown around for mm. many people, mm. including myself. Um, but I, I don't know, like, maybe am I going too far granola if I say, uh, you know, working with your hands is something that isn't seen a lot of, mm. uh, especially in Seattle, in, in the city proper with, you know, Amazon taking over. There's um, a lot of tech, both startups and big companies in the, in the city. Um, I, I think, I mean, I, I'm going to go the granola route. I'm going to say the guys that like to, uh, you know, go and, uh, you know, eschew the car and uh, only ride the bike and make their carbon footprint as minimal as possible uh, are are also the same guys who are interested in trying new craft beers, new breweries, or uh, working in craft beers and craft breweries. Mm. Um, So I'm going to go that route. I'm going to say... So there's
0: a
1: cultural overlap.
2: A a very big cultural overlap, Mm. I think, yeah. I agree. I I think
1: that there is an overlap between people, uh, I think, people who like outdoorsy things uh hiking and camping and being out in the nature uh even kind of survival enthusiasts people who like doing things with their hands or doing things through their own energy like cycling uh and then there's from that i think there's an appreciation of like small batch production things that are done you know again by hand or by craftspeople in different ways you often see in uh like cycle touring and camping and stuff, the, the Miogs like make your own gear, myog movement, so M-I-O-G. Oh, okay. So it's, you know, a group, it's like you could buy this handlebar bag from, you know, some small, some small producer, somebody, some cottage industry guy who's making it in his apartment. But also there's a big movement of people who are going to make that thing for themselves. So I, I feel like there's quite a lot of overlap there of outdoorsy people, of cycling people, of people who want to connect to the product in mm-hmm. some way, who don't want something that's like mass produced. I think that overlap occurs as well. And craft beer yeah. fits into that, that that niche where you can, like, I'm going to go into this place and I can meet the guy who makes the beer and I'm going to exactly. drink it in the place where the beer is made. Those things seem to fit together to me.
0: I think I agree with you. And maybe um, maybe the word to describe... That is authenticity, mm. right? Riding your bike is a very authentic experience. You are in fairly close contact with the road. You can feel every bump. Sometimes every too close contact. Incline. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can you you can experience the nature around you as you're cycling through the forest much more closely than you could if you're in a car. In which case you're kind of you're cut off and you're isolated from the authentic world around you. Mm. And it might be the same thing with craft beer, right? As you said, you can see the person who made it. Mm-hmm. In the brew pub, you can probably see the place where it was made. You mm-hmm. might even be able to watch it being made while you're drinking it. Yeah. It's made on a human scale that you can understand. Mm-hmm. Right? we're not talking millions of liters in a big factory. It's it's in that tank. Yeah. And I can see how big that tank is. Yeah. Understand it in relation to the size of my own body or how much beer I can personally drink. So maybe... There's a sort of there's a vein of authenticity running through all of these experiences, mm-hmm. which I don't know, maybe that is fashionable, maybe that's a hipstery kind of thing, or maybe that's just something that right. some people are looking for mm-hmm. in this sort of modern and isolated world.
2: I think so. Like I think technology's explosion, because I can't think of another word except for it might be like exponential growth, but the mm-hmm. in, insane amount of both growth in technology and also technology that has creeped its way into our lives like everybody has a phone um Mm -hmm. the constant connectivity maybe riding your bike is a form of disconnect Mm. so you can disconnect and be like you said you know closer to the road you know you're surrounded by nothing but air and this is the community you're in the road you're in the forest you're in right um and then the experience of that the experience of what you said with the, the the beer and the authenticity of making it like I think that's something to do
0: with it. Yeah, and what better way to disconnect yourself from the world than to smash four pints of barley wine? You know, you're, going to be, you're going to be disconnected in a fairly drastic way after that. you got to
2: rehydrate after a big ride, so four
1: pints of anything is probably what you need. Yeah, I think so. yeah. Four pints of 13% barley wine. Barman, fix me up a Rattler with those barley wines, if you please. Yeah. There's a... Uh, you know, there's... You you do the big, uh, whatever you call it, pub crawl in the States, mm-hmm. yep. right? Yep. Everybody gets together with their bikes and you kind of ride brewery to brewery or, or bar to bar and you stop and have a, a beer or two at each place. Obviously, we, we can't do that uh, here because it's illegal. It's quite a nice thing to do. It is. Yeah. Um, in America, obviously, if people drink responsibly and, yeah. and ride responsibly after that. But it's quite fun to... You know, people often have their, their pub bike, right, mm-hmm. which is a bit of a beater. You know, it doesn't yep. matter if it gets knocked around or dinged up or, you know, maybe even stolen. You ride that around. Uh, I wish we could do things like that here, but I suppose, like, the traffic patterns are a bit too dense. And so I guess uh, not letting people drink and ride is probably the right maneuver. But again, going back to your... Your new purchase. Yeah. That's why I quite like the idea. The Brompton is so great because it's like you can ride, you can go to a place and have some beers and then you're ready to go. We have a customer who comes in and does it, rides out here on his Brompton, has a few beers, and then he goes back to the station. I've met him at the station before and he's just there, (laughs) just folds it up in, you know, 20 seconds and takes it on the train and he goes home. It's like, it 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 seems the the utility of of the the new bike that you bought is really great.
2: I think it's going to be. I think it's going to make its money pretty quickly especially in in this environment like like so we've got the public transport uh, you know infrastructure here that's very easy you know the rinko bag just chuck it in there take it on the bus with us if you need um, yeah I, th- I think it's going to make its money pretty quickly
1: I, I I just remembered this, that uh, someone told me, a guy I worked with a long time ago, he went to the, is uh, it the Sakhalin Islands, the Russian, mm, yeah. those, those are the Russian islands? Those are the ones
0: that have, yes, are no longer Japanese. Right.
1: So he, he took a ferry from Hokkaido up to those islands just to like, you know, for a few days just to kind of check them out. And uh, he and his uh, girlfriend or wife, I can't remember, they bought some... Not, inic- not cheap, but not expensive folding bikes of some Dahan something or mm-hmm. other. Maybe 50,000 yen, something like that. Uh, they bought them because there's, I don't think there's any real public transportation up there. So to kind of scoot around the island however long they were there. Um, and he said they, uh, they, they got there, they took the ferry across, they got the bikes off, and they took some kind of little shuttle bus or something. And they, the guy put the bikes up on top of the shuttle bus in the roof rack. And these are Russians, right? Like, this is not Japanese customer service. We'll take care of your belongings. So they arrived wherever they were getting off. The guy, had, like, I don't think he'd even ridden the bike yet. And they get off and they go, okay, what's this? And he go, oh, the two bikes are ours. And the guy just grabbed them and
2: just chucked them off the top oh, of the bus. Oh, lord. And so he saw one coming down and he was just, like, frozen for a moment. And the guy was reaching for the other one. And he's like, no,
1: no, 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 no. <laughs> chucked the second <laughs> one as well. Anyway, the moral of the story it was like the bikes were fine, so he uh, he found somewhere to write a glowing review for those bikes online. Uh, and a very poor stand. review for the bus service. Exactly. I would imagine there's no online presence for something like that. Uh, but yeah, he was quite pleased with the uh, their performance after having been unceremoniously hucked off the top of a bus onto the street,
2: manhandled.
0: Glowing review. Yeah. Speaking of glowing reviews, mm. do we have any exciting beers coming up in the fridge this week that anybody who's within a cycling or hiking distance of Tachikawa should know about?
1: Uh, you know, I don't want to start any kind of like stampede, but we, we managed to get our hands on a keg of Uchu, mm. uh, a double IPA from Uchu. Pluto.
0: Pluto. Oh, forget, yeah, it's a big Uchu head. A West Coast double IPA. Yep. That one probably be going on at the weekends. We'll see. We'll probably want to target a weekend with that one, yeah. See how things go for that. What about in the fridge? Any cans or bottles coming up?
1: Uh, we, Phantom Bride is a, is a collaboration Belching Beaver does with the band Deftones. We've had it on tap and in cans before. It's really great. Great mm. IPA. Uh, but they do three other beers with Deftones, uh, Belching Beaver and Deftones collaborations. So we, we got a mixed case of that. So that's all going to go in the fridge probably on Friday. Uh, I imagine all of those are going to be pretty great because Phantom Bride is a really great IPA.
0: And if it's a mixed case, there are only, what, six? Eight kinds? Six of each. Six yeah. of each.
1: Four, four different beers, six of each. Tallboys or...? Tallboys, okay. all 473 mil.
0: Don't sleep on that one.
1: Yep.
2: No. Sounds
0: like good stuff. Thank you very much for joining us again, Matt. Totally mm, my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks pleasure. for having me. It's been a pleasure. Um, you're off to ride your bike home now, are you?
2: After this beverage, I'm uh, maybe cab at home.
0: Ah, uh, Okay. It's You'd good make, you got that bike and you just chuck it in the s- trunk. Chuck yes. in the trunk. <laughs> well, have a safe ride home or a safe cab home. Indeed, I will. Thank you. Uh, stay safe, everyone, and we'll see you next time.
1: Thanks, everybody.
0: Thank
2: you.